I'd like to discuss, apologies, my throat's not very good, but I'll do my best. I'd like to discuss um, Mitzvah Sayyim. No major tradition, but maybe if we look at the whole picture of the next couple of weeks ahead, it can help us focus on the matter at hand. Starts Mitzvah Shem this Shabbos, apart from the upcoming Bar Mitzvah, but we have Pasha Zohar. And Pasha Zohar is a bit of an anomaly because most of us don't spend that much time thinking about Amalek in the first place, and it's possible that if there wouldn't be a mitzvah to remember, to eradicate the name of Amalek, then it would do it by default. But we get together every year, and we make sure we remember to eradicate the name of Amalek. So what exactly is the mitzvah? Bifrat, after Sanchev, scatters all the different nations of the world, is there Bechalal such a thing as Amalek? We know that there's a Gemara, possibly certain countries which might come from Amalek, but what exactly is the Kavana? What are we doing? What's meant to be the, the intention of the Kavanas this coming Shabbos? Followed on by Tanis Esther. Tanis Esther, Chaim Friedlander points out, have a look in the Rambam and here's Tanis Perikei. When the Rambam discusses other Tanisim in Halacha Aleph, the Rambam says, Yeshom Yom Shikoliso Misanim Bohem Ibnayasori Shi'u Bohem Kitil Oyre Halavovois Lifterach Darkia Chuvah. There are different days in the calendar when we're meant to fast in order to be misery us and to encourage us and induce us to do tshuvan. Says the Rambam that the reason why we have these different days of Tanisim is to remember the bad ways of our ancestors and the things that those actions that they did brought upon them, and simply too, Chas could potentially bring upon us, and therefore we need to learn the lessons of the past in order to help shape the future. So that's, then the Raman goes on, Allah Chabais, he goes on, Shishiva Tishri, which is Sim Gedalia, Sarah Batevis, Shivasa Batamuz, Tishibav, and then Allah Hei, he says as follows, and he goes on. So Kaifrianda asks that when it comes to all the other Tanisim, the reasons why we have a mitzvah of Tanis is to remember the Averus of the past, and, and therefore, like they had to Messiah, we have to be Messiah and to do Tshuva. When it comes to Tanis Esther, he doesn't say we have to remember the Averus which we did in Yemei. It says we have to remember we have a, a, a Tanis as a Zechef for the Tanis. So what's different about Tanis Esther from all the other Tanis? And finally, when we come into Purim, <coughs> we'll elaborate shortly, but, but what exactly was the Avira that Kalanisol did in the time of Purim, the time of the story of Purim, which was Geza that Kalanisol was hired to be destroyed? What exactly was it that we did wrong? If we're meant to be learning the lessons from the Meisler Purim, so then we have to first understand what exactly the Avla was on Kalisov part. And finally, maybe, why exactly do we call it Purim? We call it Purim Hashem HaPur because of the lot. What's the significance of the whole story of Purim? There's so many different things that Chazal could have picked on and called the Yontif after that particular thing. Why back are we putting a dogish? Why are we putting an emphasis on the fact that there were lots which were drawn? There's so many other things that we could have picked as an alternative. If we start backwards, we start first with the Maisa Purim. There's a well-known Medrash, the Medrash in Esther Rabba tells us what happened in Shemaim at the time when Haman was Matzliach in obtaining the Chasimah of Machashirish, 
And in Paskening the decree against Kalisol Lahashu in Harid Avidis Ayyudim. Says the Medrash. Elyon Novi ran in shock. He was stunned to the obvious Akdoshim. How long are you going to sleep? Aren't you worried? Aren't you going to do something to prevent this upcoming calamity that's about to fall on your people, on your children? The whole heavens and the earth and the, the, the malachim and everything, all the constellations are shaking and quaking at the po- possible calamity that's about to chas shalom before Kali And you're just sitting here doing nothing. This was Elyon Novi's time on the Ovis Akrushim. What happened was crazy here? What, what happened here that brought this upon Kali Yisrael? Because they came to the party, and because of this, they, 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 they brought upon themselves this, this, this decree of destruction. If Taka they've been over on the Das Rakutshpohu, and it's been sealed already, it's been signed that the Gezerah. What do you want from us? What can we possibly do at this stage? It, it's Magianem, it's discerning to them. They've been over on Atas, which yourself, you have to understand. So now Eliyahu saw he was getting nowhere with Ovis. So he went to Moshe Rabbeinu, and he said, we know how many times in the Midbar, Kaisal potentially crossed the line, the point of no return, and Akhachbaruch wanted to destroy them, and Moshe Abenu came to the rescue and was Matzal Kaisal. And he goes on. So Moshe Abenu turns around to Leonov and he says as follows. Is there anyone in Kalia's soul who's an Adam Kosher in that generation? Amaloi, yes. There is, and his name is Motzman. She said, okay, then, then we can try and come up with a plan. You go to Motzai and you tell him that he has to go and he has to cause Kalia's soul to daven, and I'm going to be up here and I'm going to speak to Akachbarku. So Elyon Novi, having finally been matzliach with someone in Shem to work on behalf of Klal Yisrael and for there to be a plan, now he, so to speak, airs his real worry. We have a problem. Because there's already been written, the decree to wipe out Klal Yisrael has already been written. Famous words. If this gazera is sealed in clay, then Atfila can be heard. If it's sealed in blood, there's nothing we can do. So Leonov replied, it's sealed in tits and clay. So he went straight away and he talked to Motai. And the Megillus Esther is, is, is one of those beautiful Megillus where you can read the story itself is so beautiful that when you start learning the God and Adam of Farshim, every few words there's a, there's, a, there's a story behind it, there's a, a picture that maybe one might not chap if one doesn't delve into it further. 
So the Medrash says, this is what it means when it says in the Medrash, in the, in the, in the Pasuk, Hadzol this is what it means, Motcha Yoda, Motcha Yoda, and your Novi came to him and said to him, this is what's going on, and this is the game plan ahead. That's the Medrash. The shining Medrash is, what's going on? And your Novi goes to the office station, with all the Swiss office, and he explains to him the desperate situation that's about to happen before on Kali Sol. And they turn around and say, well listen, if Kali Sol and Mamish bin Oval are dust, then there's nothing that can be done. There's nothing that can be done. And even Moshe Rabbein, with all of his chusim, turns around and says, I actually myself can't, I can't fix it. But if there's an autumn kosher, then maybe there's, there's what to talk about. So the first kosher kosher is, what, what are we missing here? What was the grace of Avlum? Number one, that caused that we passed the point of no return. And second of all, what exactly is the Medrash discussing in the Gavi, if it's sealed in tit, if it's sealed in dam, what's Pashat Shat in the Medrash? So, it would seem that Poshet's answer to the first question is a word which I glossed over when we read the Medrash. But the Medrash says, Elyonovi's answer, what Klavi saw did wrong, is, They benefited from the Suda. It wasn't just that they went and participated in the Suda. They were near near from the Suda. They didn't just go and eat because Chazal tell us according to certain Mepharshim the food was 100% kosher and that everything was done Kedaskutin. Everything was fine. There was, they weren't the Edson being over any Isurim in the Torah. But there's one thing going begrudgingly because you're worried and there's another thing having a Geshmak being near from it. In order for Kalanisol to be able to be near that must mean that the sensitivities of Kalanisol was so deadened, was so numb, that even when Achashverosh is making a suda, where the whole point of the suda is to make the tzonos of them, to make the tzonos of Hashashon to bring in the big day corner, and we're there having a party. That, Yechoyos, the Kali Yisrael, to lack that sensitivity, was what caused this whole problem in the first place. The Marshal explains, Maral, sorry, explains, that this medrash where it says was it sealed in tit or was it sealed in dam was what was going to get to this place. Was it coming from a place of taiva or was it coming from a place of chasashon being more than a If it was coming from a place of taiva, then that means it's sealed in tit. Then there's there's a reprieve. Kalisol can possibly be saved. If it's coming from a place that they poshut don't believe in a anymore, that means it's sealed in dam. Then there's nothing that can be done. Meish Rabbeinu Turn to Elio, he said, you have to realize, Klali Yisrael have allowed themselves to become so distant from Akadosh Not distant, Chasashon, that you look at them as a nation, and it looks as if they're not Bechlal keeping Torah Mitzvahs. No! They're showing Torah Mitzvahs, and they might look like Elohim, everything might look the way it's meant to look. But then the Shoma has become so flickering, there's, there's, there's nothing there, there's no one home. To such an extent that they can go to the party and they can participate as if everything's perfect, everything's gewaldic. Moshe Rabbeinu said, you have to realize, if this is the problem in Klal Yisrael, that the Neshama is dead, then there's nothing I can do up here. What am I going to do? I'm going to use all my Zechusim, I'm going to daven, I'm going to try and plead Sakhach Baruch and he's going to turn around and say, but what do you want me to do? There's no one home. Klal Yisrael are not there anymore. The only way it's shy to be muscle, Klal Yisrael, from such a situation, is if there's someone there 
who can be makar of them, who can wake them up, who can be ma'or of them, then possibly, together with me, using my protection, the Kachbarokun, there's what to talk about. But without Matai leading the, the tshuva movement in Klalisol, at that time, there was nothing to talk about. So therefore, if you look at the Rambam, when we come to the Tanis, we've answered the Kasha. Because Klaniusol, in order to get themselves out of that problem, needed to recognize the importance of Tefillah, needed to recognize the importance of Tanis, needed to reconnect with Akadjbaruch and try and bring Akadjbaruch back in their life through Tefillah and Tanis. So the reason why we have a mitzvah, a Tanis Esther, is not to remember the Avla that we did in those days. It's to remember the solution that Chazal found in those days. It's to remember the solution that Moshe Rabbeinu suggested to Matai of Tanis. We have a Tanis today, normally in the average year. First we have Parshas Zohar, and then we have Tanis Esther. What is Parshas Zohar? What's Parshas Zohar? So we all know the Pasuk, Bayov Amalek. Rashi tells us, I'm always there for you. I'm always there to do whatever you want. Says Rashi, says the Medrash, that Amalek is a shekor Amalek comes along whenever in Klaniyasol's history we lose focus. When we're cold, when it's dead, when we lack that sensitivity to recognize everything that Kachpokul does for us on a constant basis, and we have the chutzpah and others to turn around and say, where's Kachpokul? As if everything else that's happening in our life we are in control of and we are doing, and actually we don't see Kachpokul in the big picture. At that stage, Kachpokul has to send along an amolek and bite us till we all of a sudden realize how lucky we've been till then and how we hope to be after we can get around the problem of Amalek. Amalek is Amalek is when everything gets cold and everything gets numb and we, auto, we, we, we move along on autopilot. And that's when we need, when we ask ourselves the question, Hayesha Hashem Imanu, that's when we all of a sudden need to be Nisoyim. The first, and the solution to Amalek, as the Gemara tells us, the Mishnah tells us, so the solution to Amalek, at that time, the original Amalek, wasn't going to battle. The solution to Amalek was whenever they looked up at Moshe Rabbeinu and they remembered HaKadosh and they remembered what HaKadosh is doing for them, but if you want to go about that battle and keep your eyes on the battlefield and not look at the hands of Moshe and not look up to Akut then you're not going to get anywhere. Because that's the whole point. The point of Amalek is they're coming along to remind you that you've lost focus and you haven't allowed yourself to constantly remember Akut is there with you the whole time. If that's the case, so if you look at the Seidah Bible, the first thing we have is Parsha Zohar, this coming Shabbos. There's a mitzvah on each and every one of us to remember our molly. We're not necessarily 
specifically remembering the nation of Amalek. As we said, if we wouldn't have a mitzvah to, to remember it, we'd forget it. What's Amalek nowadays? Where is Amalek? The mitzvah that we have of Zeich Amalek is to remember the Amalek inside us. Every one of us has an Amalek. There's a famous verse, I think I've said it here once before, forgive me if I have, but when the Malach of Esau, which we know is connected with Amalek, when the Malach of Esau was fighting with Yaakov, and eventually Yaakov won and he wanted to run away, and he asked Yaakov, what's your name? He said, your name's no longer going to be Yaakov, now it's going to be Yisrael. And Yaakov, in fact, turned back to him and said, what's your name? And he said, why are you asking my name? So, Mepharshim asked, that first of all, what do you mean? A minute ago, you asked Yaakov what his name is. And you changed his name. So apart from anything, we can see the chashivas of what a name is, what a name represents. It's not just something you call someone by. It sums up the whole muhus. It gives a certain kayak and a certain strategy to that person. So Yaakov is... And has a once in a millennium opportunity to try and gain an insight into what the Sotan is and what makes him tick. And this is the chance for Yaakov to get an insight into the, into the Sotan, which he can then pass on to the rest of Klai Yisrael, the Deir so we can have a hope of trying to combat the Sotan. So he turns around and asks a very normal question. He asks him, what's your name? What makes you work? So if you have a look in Rishon, Rishon explains, and there's no point in asking my name. The Malach is saying to Yaakov, you have to understand, I can tell you my name today in this generation, but I'm going to morph into a different name in the next generation. And in every single generation, I'm a different Yetzirah. And the, genera- the Yetzirah of the last generation isn't the, genera- the Yetzirah of this generation, so it won't help you knowing my name. That's the way some Rishonim learn shots in, 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 in the response of the Malach. Sean Shadron explains it with a Moshe. He explains it with a Moshe of a person who lives in the village, he's never been to town. And one day, the first time in his life, he comes into town. And he has a friend, and his friend tells him, you have to see, we have something here which is incredible, it's called a cinema. And he brings them into the cinema, and they sit down on their, on their seats, and all of a sudden the lights go off. And he starts looking around, has there been a power cut, what exactly is going on? And the lights are off, it's all dark, and then all of a sudden the projector starts flickering, and the screen in front of him starts having images, and his eyesight isn't what it used to be, and he can't see so clearly, and it's dark in any case. And then he remembers he's got a torch in his pocket. So he puts his hands in his pocket, and he turns on the torch, and he starts shining at the screen so he can see a bit clearer what's going on. The people behind him start shouting, what are you doing? Turn off, Meshiga! He says, I, I just want to see, I can't see so well. So the man, his friend who's next to him, says to him, what are you trying to do? He said, I just want to see what's happening there. He said, no, no, you don't understand. There's nothing to see. There is nothing on that screen. That was a white screen when you walked in, and it's still a white screen. There's a mirage being projected onto that screen, but if you shine your light on it, you'll see there's nothing there. Says of Shalom, the Malach answered Yaakov's question. Yaakov's question is, what is your name? He said, my name is Lomotishal Eshemi. That's my name. My name is why you're asking questions. Don't ask questions. The way our Sotan, the way our Amalek is Matzliach, is when we don't stop to ask questions. Because if you stop and ask questions, and you shine a light on it, and you analyze what's actually going on, you'll realize it's all Shekhar Chazal. If a person stops to ask himself, what am I doing? Where am I going? How am I going to get there? That is what the Sotan doesn't want you to do. That is Asher Kor Chabaderech. 
to make you so busy that you don't have a chance to stop and think what's going on in your life. The point of the mitzvah, the zeicha amolik, it's to remember that we have this problem. It's to remember that we're deadened. When does it come along? At the end of the whole year. Shem Shem Fod on last week's parasha has a whole arichus in parasha's boy. It goes into more detail into exactly the stage of the shana. Why it is. Last week's parasha speaks about why it is that the shchina had to come down on the first of Nisan. And in he goes into exactly why Nisan is the first of the Chadoshim. And why that's why where all the ruchnius of the year begins. But if you go back to the, when are we furthest away from that injection of Ruchnius? It's in Adol. It's at the end of the whole winter. A whole year away. This year, with the Ibaya, an extra month away. From Nisan, from the whole Ischadshus that Nisan represents, from the whole Gula that Nisan represents. We're at our lowest point. We are the furthest point you can possibly be from the Regolim. The Regolim, he explains, Moyadim, the reason why Kachbarchu gave us the opportunity to be Kaveya the month, why we can decide exactly when the Chodesh is, and therefore by default when the Yom Tovim are, is because HaKadosh Baruch wants us to come together with him and participate in this union. A Maid is, is like a gathering from Oyal Maid. HaKadosh Baruch doesn't just tell us, this, on this day you have to eat matzah, on this day you have to sit in the sukkah. No, there's a coming together, there's a Yom Tov. This is when I would like it to be on the 15th of Tishri, on the 15th of Nisan, or whatever, 10th of Tishri, whatever it might be. You decide when that is. You, you come and participate. A Yontav is a coming together. A Yontav is a time when each Yontav gives us different koichas and different opportunity to reconnect with Akutshporku. And now we're at the furthest possible point in the calendar that you can be from a Yontav. We're at the lowest possible ebb. And therefore, by default, we are probably at our coldest. Ashakor so the first thing we need to do is turn on the torch and realize we have a problem. That is this Shabbos. So have a mitzvah to remember our Malik is first remember you have a problem. Not to chasushon and turn around and say, where's our Kodesh in our lives? No, we have a problem. That's stage one. Stage two is Tanis Esther. Tanis Esther is to remember the Tanis. To remember that the solution to the problem, as Moshe Rabbeinu told Eliyahu Novi, is for Klal Yisrael to realize it won't happen without us picking ourselves up and connecting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu through Tzvila, through Tshuva, through Tanis. So the Tanis today is to remember the Tanis of then. There's a Medrash clear. The Medrash says, when Esther heard from Mordechai, Haman's Gezeira, she asked Hasoch, Toniel, the following question. What brought this Gezeira on Klal Yisrael? And she answered, Now I can't translate Mach Varosh. I wouldn't try and translate Mach Varosh. But miyad pasov omro keli keli lomaz avtolu poskin tili. So listen to this. Shimshon Mastropler says in a phenomenal part. He says in the Sefer Tamim and Hagim, it brings it brings this down that the Malach who protects Klal Yisrael is the Malach Michal. The Malach who protects Klal Yisrael always is the Malach Michal. What did we say the problem was? in the Purim story. What was Klal Yisrael's problem? 
The problem was that they had removed HaKadosh Baruch had disappeared from their lives, from their thoughts, from their actions. So the name HaKadosh Kel, had been removed from their lives. He says, if you take away the Aleph and the Lamad from Michal, then you have Moch. And if you take away the Aleph and Lamad from Yisrael, then you have Rosh. The answer to her question is, Klaisol have taken away the kale from their lives. That's why we're hired to be destroyed. When she heard that, she answered, Keli, Keli, Lama Azatan. The Medrash tells us that when Haman had received the Gezeir from Achashverosh, that he has to now go and do the impossible. He has to find Mordechai. And instead of hanging him on the tree, which was the reason he went, instead he has to now go and put him on the horse, Kochayer said, Mamish the complete Napoichu. And he comes into the best Medrash, and the Medrash tells us that Mordechai had been fasting for three days with all his Talmidim who were waiting the terrible calamity which they thought was going to befall Klan Yisrael. And on that day, when Haman walks in, he asks them what they're learning in the Besa Medrash. And the Medrash tells us they were learning the Alokha of Mincha. The Alokha of Mincha, the Medrash says it was the second day Pesach, which was the Omer, and they were learning Alokha of Mincha. So Haman said to them, what are you learning? So he said, we're learning about Mincha. We're learning about flour. So he turned and said, how much, what kind of quantity are you talking about? You're talking about storehouses of flour, what are you talking about? No, we're talking about a few fingers. So he said, what's going on here? There's a gazera to wipe you out. You're learning at this moment about a carbon of a few fingers of flour in a Beislamikdash which you don't have. Do you not understand what's going on? You're about to be destroyed. Wake up and smell the coffee. Where? What are you doing? He said, I've spent a fortune of money to get my gazera. But I can see that if you have such a munun bitachin, that even at your lowest possible minute, you can be focused on avodah you can be focused on a few grains of flour, and that's what you're busy with, that's what you're learning by Slavos, then I can see I'm never going to win. I'm never going to get anywhere. Klan Yisrael are not miyaj. Klan Yisrael are never miyaj. And I'll finish with a story which I think I might have said as well, but in case I haven't, it's such a phenomenal story, it's good I to say again. The end of the Mulchama, now I've, heard, I've read this, that this happened to Ryanko Galinsky, and I've read that it wasn't Ryanko Galinsky, so I'm not sure exactly who it happened to. But at the end of the Mulchama, there was a Bocha in Yeshiva, who Lelena received the news that his entire family had been wiped out. And he went up to his dorm, and he closed the door, and he locked the door, and that's it. And his friends tried to get him to open, and he wouldn't open. For hours and hours, for a day plus. So he went to Yeshiva. And he told Rashi what was going on. I'm sure this wasn't the only person ever to hear such sorrow. And Rosh Hashiva came along and he said, bring a locksmith. And the locksmith came, broke the door, and Rashi went in and he closed the door. And he sat down on the bed with this boy. And he said to the boy, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story. There was a time, long before the war, when there was a man who was a peddler. And this peddler used to go 
once a year to the big sale, figure it. And he didn't have the funds by Edson to go to the sale to make the purchase he needed to do. So he used to go to all the Ashirim in the village and he used to borrow a princely sum of money from them. And then he'd go every year to the big city for the big sale and he purchased exactly the different things he needed. He knew he'd been doing this for years already. He purchased the different things he needed and then he'd bring it back home to his village and during the course of the year he'd sell off these wares and with the money he made he'd pay back the Ashirim and the profit that was left over he'd support his family till the next year. One year came to a situation where this man was ill in bed with very, very high temperature. And he called the doctor to his house, and the doctor came, and he said, listen, I have to get out of bed, because I've got to go to the sale. Because if I don't go and buy in this once-a-year sale, then I'm not going to be able to support my family for the rest of the year. And the doctor said, there's nothing to talk about. You're not getting out of bed. There's nothing to talk about. So he said, but what am I The doctor said, you have a problem, but you can't get out of bed in your condition. So Mamish was at his wits end until finally... She said, listen here, you tell me exactly what I need to buy, you tell me exactly where I need to go, how much I need to pay, and I'll go and do it for you. Said, how can I, ah, listen, well, we don't have a choice, right? We need, we, need to, we need to do this, so you tell me what to do. So he sent her with a letter to the Ashim, asked him to borrow the money, she borrowed the money, he went, she went off to the big town, and she had exactly written down exactly which stores to go, how much to pay, what to bargain on, what to buy, what not to buy, and he told her, go round and place your orders from all the different places, and when you finish, go back to the first and pick them all up along, and then oh, come back home. So that's what she did. She placed her orders in all the different places, exactly as her husband had told her, everything was exactly where he told her. And then she came back to the first shop, the first store, and she opened her bag to make the first payment, and she screamed. She screamed. And everyone asked, what's going on? And he says, where's my pups? My purse with all the money, where's it gone? And she looks high and low and she can't find the money. All these hundreds of rubles that she borrowed, she can't find the money. And she starts looking this way, she starts retracing her steps and she's getting more and more hysterical as it goes on. And what's going to be? And you don't understand, it's not only we won't be able to buy, but we borrow this money, how are we going to pay back this money? She starts going hysterical. And there were other Eden there in the sale. And other Eden came over to try and see what was going on and they heard the problem, they started looking. And unbelievable, after half an hour, Ayid walks in and he says, do you have a simon for your purse? She says, yes, I can tell you exactly. You look like this, you look like this. He said, fine, here's your purse. Oh, how much like hoodie. It's over the moon until she opens her purse. And it's empty. And again, Kailas the rocking starts crying, screaming, shouting, what's going to be? We're ruined. How can I face my husband? Gefeller. And during the course of this whole bahala, one of the men standing there turns to the youth who found this purse. And he looks at him and he says, tell me, when you found the purse, it was empty? <coughs> and the man's a bit sheepish. He says, uh, actually, no, it wasn't. Said, it wasn't empty. He said, no, it wasn't. He said, so what happened to the money? He says, I took it. He says, you took the money? He said, yeah. He said, you're gallant. He said, no. This is my first, it's a Mishnah. If you find Naveza, no Simonim, middle, middle, middle place, Rav Akum, a person's Mayayish. People know when they lose their money straight away. A person's Mayayish, it's Hefka. She said, but what do you mean? What about this woman? What about Achoibos? What about Hanosa? He said, listen here. This woman lost her money. Period. Finished. Anyone could have found her money and you wouldn't see it again. Now, why could Shrope want to lose her money? I don't know. That's not my question. She lost her money. Me? 
I had a major Yeshua, Kuchbochu, found, gave me this windfall that I found all this money. They're two completely separate incidents. So he said, listen here, you can't pass on this shiny yourself. You're a little bit in a gear. So we've got to go and ask a role. So they went to a Yisrael O'Connell Spectre. And they asked him this shiny. And he heard both sides. And he listened to everything. And he turns around and he said, you've got to give the money to the lady. So he says, but it's, it's, it's my sure it's a mission, it's a Mishnah, it's a Mishnah, he says, yeah, it is, but you've got to give the money to the lady. He said, why? He said, you'd be 100% right if the person who lost this money was the owner of the money. The person, Adam Mashash Rekisa, as soon as he loses it, it'll be Mayayash, there's nothing to talk about anymore. But who owned this money here? The husband. The wife didn't own this money, she was a shliach for her husband. She doesn't have the ability to be Mayayash. She's purely a shliach. Those days they didn't have mobile phones, they didn't have anything, the husband's got no idea, he's sitting at home trying to recover from his, his illness. Her yish is nothing. The husband doesn't know he wasn't the Aish, you've got to give it back. Mr. Rosh Hashiva turned to the Bochum, and he said, Leilenu, you've just had a gefelech news given to you. But a yid is not Aish. Every one of us has been given a neshama, and we have to look after that neshama, and yish doesn't feature in the Jewish vocabulary. That was the Yenemaisen. We're here tonight on the outside of the monk. I've got no idea what the Kehillah faced back in those days, but I'm sure it's possible to say that many of them faced the possibility of being Mayayish after everything that they saw. But instead, he came together with the Kehillah at the time and built a Kehillah where the Tachlis of the Kehillah is Avoida, is Trilla, is connecting with Akachparaku. I don't know how many people in this room can say this, but my children are fifth generation in this room. Keeping the Messiah, what's Choshev, the importance of Tzvila, and how that's been continued by Feldman and by Rishonah Greenberg. We're very lucky to be part of this shul, we're proud to be part of this shul. And may our Hashem, in general and specifically over these coming days, be an aliyah for his Neshama Mitzvah Hashem.